it was so magical and amazing. And it was, I think the first time I ever felt the feeling of like, it feels like there's golden or white mm -hmm. energy bouncing around the room by the end of the day because of the shift, because of how much fun I was having. And that's the feeling of doing your soul work yeah. and the transformation. This is Unconditioning, discovering the voice within with Whitney Ann Jenkins. Hello and welcome to the 46th episode of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. This week, I have with me Laurie Smith. Laurie is an intuitive public speaking and leadership coach. She helps visionaries and empaths on a soul-driven mission stand in their power, speak their truth, and lead. Laurie is the CEO of Voice Matters and the author of Your Voice Matters, a guide to speaking soulfully when it counts. Her mission is to call forth more open-hearted leaders so they can do their part to change the world with authenticity, creativity, and courage. I'm feeling very grateful for the quality of people that this podcast is bringing me. And Laurie is definitely one of them. She brings such a rich awareness of authenticity and how to access that through speaking, which is such a resonant topic for this podcast. I found myself to have a lot in common with Lori from the way that we were brought up to our theater backgrounds, and she has lots of nuggets of wisdom to share, and I'm just really excited to share those with you. So without any further ado, here is Lori Smith. I'm really excited to talk to you, actually, because I feel just by looking at your content, we have a lot in common. Yeah, so me I'm, too. <laughs> yeah. So one of the first things that I ask my guests is, when was the first time that you realized that you have an inner authentic voice of your own and it wasn't influenced by anyone around you? It was purely like your own voice and you recognized it as that. Mm. I just had two moments pop into my head. So um, the, around the same age, uh, the first one was uh, in a, I think it was our government class in high school. Mm -hmm. We had all taken, many of us had taken the AP history class together. And then the government class was not an AP class. So it was a much bigger class, but almost all of us from the AP class were in it along mm -hmm. with some students who were not AP students. And the government teacher decided to assign us an extra 15 page paper because so many of us were AP students. And I was at the time known as a very, like one of the shy nerds. Mm -hmm. I, I did play sports as well and I was not shy when playing sports. And yet in classes and things, I was sort of quieter and more shy. And I also had a healthy ability to debate. Okay. And I it just, it did not feel fair to me to let this happen. So I basically debated the instructor on behalf of the whole entire class. And it was like, my ego was there a little bit as I look back on it. And yet 
the desire to keep going on behalf of others was like my leader voice, my soul's mm. voice. Um, I, I lost the debate because the teacher was the teacher. However, he was a chain smoker. And mm. at the end of that class, like I won the debate if there had actually been a vote on it. And at the end of the class, he kicked the desk and then like ran out of class to get a cigarette because it was like, there was nowhere that he could go in the debate that we were having. Mm -hmm. um, and I still believe to this day, for all the reasons that I said back then, it wasn't fair. You know, there were, were other, other classes happening and they weren't having to write 15 page papers. Yeah. It was just our class. Um, and the second time was when I decided what college I was going to which was slightly after that. Mm -hmm. I just, I felt like I had a knowing of the one that I was supposed to be at. And it wasn't logical. It just sort of felt like home and it felt mm -hmm. like that was where I was supposed to go. And then later I came with, came up with all sorts of logical reasons of why that was the school for me. But I just sort of knew yeah. this voice inside was saying it's this one. Can you go back to the moment in your history class for a second? Do you remember what it felt like to have that conversation and make your voice known? Was there like a physical like release or sensation that happened? I, I remember, I don't know if I'm remembering it or if I also know that this happens a lot now. Um, there's almost a sensation of like fire. Um, it feels, I remember feeling a little scared or tentative at first, and yet there's like a pushing forward and a fire that's happening as I'm actually speaking. Mm -hmm. um, I've had other moments in my life later where I also really remember feeling a visceral energetic sensation of almost like another force comes in and I will feel my heart and my spine almost like something is grabbing the heart spine and like propelling me forward and there have been many many moments where I've felt something in my gut or I felt something in my heart spine um, including a leadership program where I kept volunteering to be the one to lead mm -hmm. when we were in the midst of like utter and complete chaos I and it was like I'm not choosing that with my brain there are times where they've said who would like to facilitate the next conversation and it's like you know we're completely in chaos the shit is hitting the fan <laughs> so to speak and I would sort of feel myself move forward and my hand would be going up and my brain was like what are you doing go back down <laughs> but this other force from within felt like it was actually moving me forward to raise my hand wow that's interesting um because i find like i'm similar when there is a disaster or chaos i find i find myself really drawn to go to it rather than like freezing or running away so so that's really interesting yeah yeah and they had told me in that leadership program they do a typing system 
Um, I'm an eccentric leadership type in their system. And I couldn't believe it when I was being typed at first. And the facilitator said, you're the most comfortable in chaos. And at first I was like, are you crazy? I try to control everything. <laughs> and then I realized once I quit resisting what's happening, I'm incredibly creative and adaptable and there can be chaos including uh, someone having a seizure in a workplace when I was an executive assistant and an office manager. And I just knew what to do. And I was like, I've got, you know, and also pretty shy at that point and started taking total control of the situation and telling other people what mm -hmm. needed to happen next. Yeah. So when you were in college, did that lead you to discovering your ability for helping people? and they're speaking, like, how did that start? I didn't start helping people with their speaking until later. Um, I finished undergraduate college and then worked as an executive assistant during the day and did theater at night. And then I enjoyed the people watching for many years because you people watch and then you go play those people on stage. Yeah. <laughs> and then I felt this call to go toward a more aligned life, which I thought meant I was going to teach during the day and act at night and make like no money because that's just the impression theater people have. Yeah. And I went and I got a master's degree in theater. And after theater, I was teaching part uh, after my master's degree, I was teaching theater part-time and also working as a personal assistant part-time. And I was uh, getting ready. I, a student led me to a coaching school. I was in coaching school and I knew like, this is the final piece of whatever I'm going to create on this planet, but I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And I was nervous about the coaching exam so I called up one of my old bosses, like the one that I respected the most and asked him if I could coach him to get ready for my exam and loved it, really smart decision. Um, and at the end, being the entrepreneur that he was, he gave me some feedback on how to build a business. Oh, wow. And he said, what's your niche? Like you need something that separates you to get you in the door. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned athletics because I had always played sports and I was pretty healthy. And I kind of went, no, but I could see using my theater background to help people with speaking. Mm. And I did have a certification in a type of theater voice work. And then I went for a hike with a really good friend of mine and said to her, I'm thinking about doing something like bringing the coaching together with theater in order to help people with speaking. And we were walking side by side and she looked over at me, looked ahead and then looked back like a slow motion <laughs> double take with huge eyes and went that. Everything that she knew of me leading up to that point, she was like, that makes sense because you have a thing about voice you didn't want to be a voice teacher because the old way that people did it didn't work for you. Then you sort of piece together your own way. That, go toward that. 
And I did. And the rest, as they say, is sort of history. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. What was your experience like, like with your your first client after you made that decision? Do you remember? Mm. My brain is scrolling back. (laughs) I'm remembering a lot of clients that I worked with early who were theater people. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't remember my first. Okay. (laughs) I remember because it wasn't a, it wasn't a single client. Um, I got challenged to lead a workshop and I got challenged to lead a workshop when I was assisting a coaching class Mm -hmm. and I set it up, gave everybody like a week and a half notice to sign up. And that was it. Um, It was the Thursday before Memorial Day, which all of these things from now being in business for 15 years are like, you don't generally give people just a week and a half to sign up. (laughs) And the Thursday before Memorial Day is not generally a good time to put. And it didn't matter. Um, I think I had like eight people in that first workshop that I gave no notice to. And it was called your true self in speaking or something like that. And it was so magical and amazing. And it was, I think the first time I ever felt the feeling of like, it feels like there's golden or white Mm -hmm. energy bouncing around the room by the end of the day because of the shift, because of how much fun I was having. And that's the feeling of doing your soul work and the transformation where it starts feeling like people are scared or they're excited and the room just feels sort of more fractured and jagged Mm -hmm. or sometimes even draggy, depending on what state of fear or anxiety people are in when they come in the room. And then at the end of the day, the energy is just open and expansive and more more oneness more aligned yeah you stepped into your authentically aligned purpose it sounds like yeah yeah and things have changed names and yet when I went into that workshop as many of my clients now do I had like probably four pages printed out of stuff I could do Mm -hmm. and very quickly realized that's there's far too much here and intuitively did a structure in the moment where a lot of the pieces that ended up in that version which was only four hours long I still do versions of that to this day oh wow with programs and with workshops which is really, you know, it was all chosen intuitively because I realized about 15 minutes in, like, this is way too much. Like, these are great ingredients and this is way too much for four hours. And I just intuitively kind of went this, 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 and then we're done. Fantastic. I want to go back to your theater backgrounds a little bit because I find that interesting of how you connected everything together and so can you talk a little bit about what like drew you to theater so much and Mm -hmm. how it gave you the opportunity to use your authentic voice yeah yeah so I was definitely using my authentic voice in theater 
before I did as a person. <laughs> yeah, I can really do that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, my mother found me in the backyard at like age seven playing make-believe by myself. And I believe that I had started with some friends. We were like acting out a story and then they got bored and all wanted to leave and go swimming or bicycle riding. And I said, okay, I'll meet you later at the pool. I'm just going to finish the story and stayed by myself. And my mom found me out there with my hair curled in little pin curls, like Cindy Brady from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> and my mom took me to an acting class. And when I went to college, I really started to feel the difference between kind of the light and the dark side of theater. Mm. The dark side of theater is the like scarcity, it's yeah. me or you, competitive backstabbing side. Mm -hmm. And because I chose it, um, I had more experiences with the light side, but just those were the people that I picked as my friends in college and beyond. And um, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> we were oh. we were speaking about using your authentic voice um, in yeah. theater, yeah. Yeah, so um, I felt like because for me it was a safe space and people were able to be creative and present with each other deeply in a way that we are not taught to do outside of theater. I felt safe. I even did a like a report on this as an undergrad when I was in a graduate class that I felt like I was actually tapping into my authentic self Mm -hmm. which was more full, more like infinite possibilities and channeling that into characters. So it was the place where I was most fully expressing myself. And I was not really doing that in my life until I realized, hey, <laughs> what if you could do that in your life too? And then started to. And theater was a safe sacred, supportive space that taught me that that was even possible. And I remember people being shocked. I love playing a variety of characters. Um, I've played like the evil character and the ditzy 50s secretary character and everything in between. And I remember someone seeing me as a more hot-headed Italian character who knew me as the shy, quiet, like go to a party and stand in the corner by yourself person. And then she saw this like loud, hot-headed character on stage and was just like, where does that even come from? <laughs> and I was like, cause it's all in there. Mm -hmm. And I channel it into the characters. So I get to be all parts of me in that zone. Yeah, it's almost like a a meditative state when you can get into that flow. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, I've yeah. even told people um, there were two things that I consider my first meditations before I knew what meditations were acting on a stage where there are times where you come off stage and you like saved somebody who forgot a line 
and I wouldn't even really remember what I did until mm-hmm. they played it back for me. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't feel as dramatic as it did to everyone else because it was like I was in a state of flow. Mm-hmm. The person was not on stage. So something just came out of my mouth and they were like, you saved us all. And I was like, I just <laughs> said that person's line. <laughs> um, and the other was, even though now I'm down to almost complete decaf, having a cup of coffee with the ritual of like the warm drink in the morning was my other like that was kind of meditating or meditative before I knew what it was yeah I think we're gonna be good friends after this (laughs) (laughs) yay (laughs) so taking so taking that concept of like finding a way to express your your authenticity on stage as a character how are you able to find a way to incorporate that into your like everyday personal life? First, that student, um, the student who said, I think you're a coach because the way you teach is different. You're not like professing your knowledge down to us you're kind of in it with us and you're intuitively reading people and it seems like you're reading their mind. I knew enough to know that she wasn't talking about basketball, even though I didn't know what coaching was. So I went to a coaching class and hired a coach right after that class. And that really started the process of me intentionally living from my true voice all the time. Up until then, there had been moments and key decisions where I was like, well, if I look back, I just chose that thing intuitively. There's all this mind chatter. But when I made the decision, it was like I listened to something else. And some of those had felt huge like the universe was coming and going you're going in the wrong direction (laughs) and when I started working with a coach and going through the coaching classes and listening to that voice all the time those moments it's like the decisions became with started happening with more ease because I had someone supporting me and going I'm hearing a lot of like shoulds and mind chatter what if you let that go What else is there? And like helping me to live from that truer voice. And then I went through a leadership program and the two combined. Uh, It's funny because when I went through the leadership program, they would say, what's your quest? Kind of like, what's your heroine's journey? What's your mission? And when I was in it early on, I didn't think I knew what mine was. Mm -hmm. And someone else said to me, multiple people, but one person in particular was like, it is as clear as day to the rest of us. It's about helping leaders in particular speak from their fullest, most authentic voice. And I was like, wow, really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I think I was just doing, you know, I was doing it and then my head would come in and I would try to figure out like, what's the quest supposed to be? And they were like, you're like the one who's already living it. You just don't realize 
you're living it. Yeah, you were too close to it to see. Yeah. Yeah. I was too close to it to realize that that is what I was doing. Um, yeah. And I'm glad two people in particular, one was a tribe mate and the other was one of the leaders. Uh, and one of the leaders, they had something in that program called a stake, which is like your stake in the ground that you orient yourself around or your North star. Mm. And I didn't think I knew what mine was. Mm -hmm. And the leader said, you really, again, it's clear as day to the rest of us. And I said, okay, then what is it? And she said, voice is vital for all leaders. And I was like, oh, that is it. That's true. That's what I believe. And I feel like I'm shouting from the mountaintops, which then led to the name of my company. Like accidentally, the name of my company is Voice Matters. And when I looked down at this spreadsheet of possible names, Voice Matters was over in like spark words. I wasn't even considering it for the name. And then I looked down and I went, I think that's the name because it's like saying voice is vital for all leaders in two words. And it can be voice matters or voice matters, mm. everything related to voice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so from that moment, were you able to um, drop like your your day jobs as executive assistant and the personal assistant? Were you doing that on the side, like during this time when you were figuring that out? Uh, the executive assistant job, um, the personal assistant job, I was a personal assistant and teaching theater and doing theater at night. And the personal assistant job had fallen away right mm. as I went to that first coaching class. Mm. Through one of those actions, it's basically the only time in my life that I've been fired. Um, I was working for a therapist who had a drug problem, oh. who I believe had a drug problem. And I would get drawn into her energy and I remember deciding like I'm going to stay down connected to the earth that's my goal for the week and there was a moment where I could feel her spinning up and I felt an energy pulling me down mm. and then I opened my mouth and said you know when I first started working for you we always had a backup I can't be the only person on the planet other than you who's responsible for your life. Mm. I need days off. And I think that's getting in our way and creating some tension. And I knew as I said it, she will fire you and she will pick your backup. And I still said it anyway. And that is exactly what happened. The, the backup was more of, more of a people pleaser yeah. than I was. And I was very much like grounding in this different energy and I, the drama, I wasn't getting wrapped up in her drama with her anymore. And sure enough, eventually she fired me with a severance package, <laughs> <laughs> but I had negotiated from that like intuitive zone place. Yeah. It sounds like a pivotal moment, similar to the one in your history class. Yeah. Where you were able yeah. to speak up yeah. for yourself. Yeah. 
yeah, for me, in the history class, it was part me and it was part everyone else, which I actually find easier mm. or have found easier throughout my life than sitting there with her. I was alone. I was only staying in my truth and speaking mm. what I was aware of at the time is that I'm speaking my truth for me. It was a moment that then led to the life that I'm living and the impact that I'm having, which is helping others more than I would have if I'd still been in her sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that falling away, I remember very early in my coaching business, I was teaching theater more than coaching. And I remember saying, I want my business to go up in terms of the percentage of my time spent there. Yeah. And I want, it's like, I want them to flip. I'm, you know, starting my coaching business, it's like one quarter of the time and teaching theater was three quarters of the time. And I wanted them to flip and now they've flipped. And then some, the last time I taught theater was in 2017. Wow. Um, I'm still open to them calling someday when someone is on sabbatical. And when that happens, I'll know it's meant to be and I'll do it. And it's been interesting, you know, over the course of, it was about 10 years from the moment that I said that until the last theater class that I thought that that I taught watching that actually happen. Mm -hmm. Because you claimed, you claimed that. Yeah, I claimed it. And a lot of it, I claimed it and the universe just supported me. Mm -hmm. One teaching job in particular, I actually said no at one point because I was supposed to travel to do some speaking. And they called when the class started in like a week. And I said, I'm too busy with my business to take it this last minute. And that school has never called again. So Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how big of a no that one would be. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all worked out as I yeah. as I knew and claimed in the beginning. Wow. Congratulations on that. That's Thank a you. big achievement. Yeah. Thank so you. to obviously you're doing very well with your clients. So what is your process for helping them to access their authenticity? Because most of them are probably not actors. So how how do you encourage people to tap into that? Yeah. These days, my favorite way of working with people, whether they identify as a speaker or a leader, or they want to find their voice in groups, like dynamic group conversations, is to work in a small group um, with a little bit of one-on-one. So it's actually kind of a combination The groups are really small, generally six people, sometimes a few more, but not like hundreds of people. Um, There's a magic to that process. I'm holding a space that is supportive and loving and safe. And then they all start to hold that space for each other as well. And what I believe happens in that process is it's like our selves, at least some part of ourselves, our body, our mind, um, our inner critic has absorbed the training 
from the outside world that it isn't safe to be our full selves. So we hold back and that holding back becomes limiting thoughts in the mind. It becomes restrictions in the body that actually make it harder for our voice to yeah. fill a room. Mm -hmm. We're born as babies, you know, if we're teething, the whole house can feel their hair standing up and babies don't lose their voices. And then we get told, don't be too big, don't be too much, don't be too emotional. Um, we all face very real threats in the world from possible home situations to like the bully in high school. And all of that becomes like stuff that isn't the real fully expressed us right. stuck in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And in order to overcome that, if we're in a group of six people and everybody is seeing, oh, I'm not alone. That person is going through their version of what I'm going through. And the body, the ego, the inner child, the protections all start to let the soul drive more mm -hmm. often. Then the body kind of goes back to the way it's primal knowing that we came in with as babies and gets married to that sense of purpose. And once people know, oh, I can do this with six other people, then the body and the self also know, okay, now that's just like one more leap to start doing that out in the real world. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Have you, have you had a client come to you that you saw such like a massive transformation in? Do you have a success story that you could share? Oh my gosh, there are, there's so many and I love them all so much. They're kind of all favorites in different ways. Let me feel if there's like the biggest one <laughs> or I'll trust my intuition. Yeah, yeah take your time. Mm. Okay, the one that's coming to me is a client who did know that she was called to speak more for her work in the world and energetically she was all over the place um incredibly intelligent and creative and kind of like the creativity lived lived up in kind of a sky energy mm -hmm. and part of that was not having real peace with the crowd or real connection with the crowd. And she would get feedback like, I can't understand you when you talk. Mm. And um, she signed up to do an earlier version of the program that I now run and then freaked out and dropped out. And I learned from a yoga teacher of mine not to give refunds mm. uh, unless there's some kind of extenuating circumstances and the yoga teacher of mine said when i said i'm thinking about doing this program what's your refund policy she said i don't give refunds 
I need you to know that you are committed to yourself and to not be looking for the emergency exit once the transformation begins. Mm -hmm. And here I was facing this and yet I was like, well, okay, I'll meet her in the middle. I'll, I'll give her half back. And I got on the phone and I had a conversation with her where I was really speaking from that true voice. Mm -hmm. And the next day she reached out again and said, I've changed my mind. All I felt from you and the person who works for you was love. I want back in. She came back into the program and by the end was so comfortable in the silences and in connection with the crowd that she even spoke about it, um, that she'd had a speaking experience in front of a huge crowd. And instead of, you know, part of her, like, you can't understand you. And she was so creative, but up in the clouds was yeah. all avoiding mm. being seen and really connecting and watching when your message lands and when it doesn't. And when it doesn't land, it doesn't mean your message is worthless. It means you might need to slow down or say it a different way or let them process it in the silence yeah. until the aha light bulbs start going off in your audience. And it was huge. It's like um, all of that energy that was kind of like leaking out of her existed in her and she was radiant. Mm. Her energy was filling the space and she was grounded and expansive at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I want to ask you this because you're, you seem to be very like intuitive and connected to consciousness and you're also, um, within like a leadership and like coaching industry and you've been at this for a while. And so I kind of want to talk to you about women's voices in general and how they've maybe transformed over time or are transforming and becoming more prominent in the world. Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah. In the time that I've been doing this, I feel like we are in a wave of women speaking up and speaking their truth and leading more often, certainly more often than historically. I also feel like it might be part of why I was put on this earth at this moment in time. Uh, even though I don't, I don't work exclusively with women, I work with people who are empaths, mm -hmm. many of which are women and not all, highly intuitive, um, and I have, I have a metaphor for the way, you know, kind of the way I see the world, which is, it's like humanity is an orchestra mm -hmm. and we're all different and unique instruments and the orchestra is and has been out of tune because some of the instruments have been holding back and not playing. Yeah. at their full capacity, some of whom are women. Right. 
And then some other instruments have been like trying to play twice as hard. Yeah. So like the whole string section is not playing and the drums are banging louder, trying to make up for the fact that the strings are not there. Yeah. And if the drums own the fact that they are drums and the flutes own that they are flutes and then the violins own that they are violins and everyone plays full out trusting in their unique voice and sending their soul's signal on their voice that's how we will reach harmony and a huge part of that is there is a wave of more and more women choosing to speak from their soul yeah and that's not to discredit men either because they're also like brought into this world with the conditioning of not being able to express themselves um authentically also yeah so yeah the the you know don't be too emotional message Mm -hmm. is one that everyone gets yeah um culturally men are allowed to be angry but they're not allowed up to a point you know you're allowed to be angry up to a point but culturally you're not really allowed any of the other emotions or the cultural conditioning is that you're weak if you're a man and you express some tenderness Um, and women get their own version of don't be too emotional and anger is not really yeah that's not the one that we get to have (laughs) and all of that is distorting or creating a distorted feminine and a distorted masculine instead of the true true qualities of both yeah fantastic well you're doing some really important work so thank you for Mm. your service thank you (laughs) thank you (laughs) um so if if anyone would like to work with you what would that look like I work with some people one-on-one, usually on what I call leadership coaching, which is they're finding their voice in their life and navigating what choices they want to make and what they want to do. And then the other end of the spectrum is the visionaries who are called to speak. Uh, The visionaries who are called to speak, nine times out of 10, we're going to work together in my compelling speaker master the art of presence program and the leaders who want to navigate their life we're most likely going to work one-on-one together and then sort of support supporting both of those halves of the spectrum i also have a community mm-hmm. that people can be a part of where um, part of the community is more public speaking practice in those safe spaces and I've started doing leadership circles. Oh wow! Um, and part of part of this was an intuitive shift in my business um, that I felt like I'm working with visionaries and leaders, and it's like a three-legged stool. In order to make your vision real in the world, you need to be able to communicate it to people. Uh, you need to be able to be present in this moment and keeping the vision. Mm. So how do you be in that kind of creative friction between the present moment and the future that you're wanting that's different? And 
I felt called to start doing it in groups for a couple of reasons. One, I, I don't have a logical explanation for yet. And the one that I did have was that I wanted something for a lower price point. So if people really can't afford one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. there is a way for them to navigate their life in a group. And you know, if we've got a group of six people, everybody gets a little bit of time in the group. And yet it's like, you're getting the whole time. So, Cause as you know, someone else goes up to take their turn and you're kind of sitting there going, wow, I could have picked that exact same topic. But instead I'll like take the learning from you going on that topic. Yeah. And then I'll ask a different question during my time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we learn from observing just as much as from being active for sure. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And where can people find you on the internet? I, I am on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and the only one that I can remember off the top of my head is actually my website, <laughs> which is, you know, from there, I think you can find the links to go everywhere else. If you love Facebook, if you love yeah. LinkedIn, or if you love Instagram, uh, my website is www.voice-matters.com. Great. I'll add those links into the show notes too. So people can click on them very easily. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. So yeah. uh, we got to wrap up because we're running out of time. But I do ask one last question to sort of wrap okay. everything up. And that question is, if your inner voice had a billboard, what would it say to the world? Mm. Your voice matters. You are enough. And there's more. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay tuned in to you. <laughs>